0: because we get to dive in and look a little bit deeper at what does it mean to be in the image of God? What does that really look like? And I'm telling you, if you've ever really embarked on that journey, it's deeper than the little 30-40 minutes that I get in the next two weeks, or last week and this week. Like, it is far broader than you could ever imagine, and it's deeper than probably most of us are willing to go. It is just a massive topic. So what I have wanted to do, and what I felt led to do, is just Not necessarily skim the surface, but take a a little bit of a a nosedive, suck some air through a straw. We're going underwater a little bit deeper than we normally do. And I want to look at how does this play out in our life. Last week we looked at what does it mean to be in the image of God. And it doesn't mean that God looks like me. It means that I have his attributes. I have the, I'm a representation of who he is. And so if I'm calling myself a Christian, I am to represent God in a certain way. Just like we represent our sports teams, or you represent your workplace, or you represent your family name, there's a way to do it and a way not to do it. Are we, you got me up? There we go. And so, just as a reminder, we're the representatives. We're the ones walking around, little Christ, that's what kind of Christian looks like and means, that's who we are to represent. But we are to represent him his way. Now, I know many of us have been in church all of our lives. Some of us are kind of new to the church thing. And we would look at this and say, well, duh. Of course we should represent him his way. That's why we represent our workplace or our sports team. Because they have a certain brand, a certain color, a certain way to dress, a certain way to do things. And so if I want to represent them, I've got to do it that way. The problem that I have with modern Christianity is... We represent everything else the way that they ask us to except Christ. We, for whatever reason, feel empowered to represent him how I feel like he should be represented. And I am pretty confident that scripture teaches us that there is a path and a way that he should be represented. And that's what I want to look at today. So let's go back to Matthew 22. Let's be reminded of why this conversation has taken place. And again, if you remember about three weeks back, Seth did a magnificent job of breaking this apart, giving us a great historical context, and driving home some solid points to give us things to think about. Last week, we talked about being in the image of God and that we are in his image, and therefore, he should get everything that we have because we're created in his image. All of us, everything that I am is his. And so in this passage, the Pharisees in verse 15 went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk, try to trip up the Jesus, the very word of God in the flesh. You're not going to trip up truth. And they sent to him their disciples, which I think is phenomenal because they didn't want to go themselves, so they send their underlings the Herodians saying, teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God and truth, nor do you care about anyone for you do not regard the person of men. Tell us therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? They don't care about that. They just want to try to get him entangled in his words. And Jesus perceived their wickedness because that's what Jesus does. And he says, why do you test me, you hypocrites? Now, I love the fact that he's calling them hypocrites because they're supposed to be representing God. And they're coming at the physical form of God, the living, breathing word of God, and they're attacking him, trying to trick him and to mess him up and to discredit him. And so he looks at them and says, ah, I know who you are, hypocrites. He says, show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius, and he says to them, whose image and inscription is this? Again, we talked about last week. For me, the most important part of that is whose image is on here. That, to me, should have been a key word for them who knew the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, the the original five, better than anybody. They knew the law, and they knew, based on creation, what God did, that they were created in his image. So image should have been a key word for them. And they say it's Caesar's. And so he says to them, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. If that's Caesar's money, then you got it. You got to give it back to him. Whatever they're asking, that's a reasonable thing to do. But Jesus, in Jesus fashion, never stops with the answer that we want. He always goes to the heart of the matter, the deeper part of the issue. And he says to them and give to God what is God's. Now, wait a second. That wasn't part of the question. But it was a part of Jesus's question because what Jesus was asking is I don't care about the coin But let's talk about the image and the inscription on the coin because there's an image and inscription on you And if you're to give to caesar what is rightfully his then you should give to god what is rightfully his And if we are to give to god what is rightfully his that's you You are his image and as a Herodian, as a Pharisee, you are supposed to be representing him in a certain way, and yet you are not. You're doing it your way. Therefore, you are a hypocrite. You know, the church gets a, a bad rap a lot of times, It's being full of hypocrites. And to a large degree, we've aided that. Because we get in here and we raise our hands and we praise God and we amen the strong stuff and then we go right out and we live exactly opposite of it. Because we're trying to represent Christ how we want to, in my way. And if we are truly the image bearers of God, true representatives of who he is, there is a prescribed way to represent him and I don't get to say so. Now this message might curl some of your toes and might get a little painful for some of you, especially with this first point we're getting ready to hit. Deal with it. You're just going to have to deal with it. Because the reality is, for me, the large part of why the church is failing is because it's full of people trying to do Christianity their way and not following the holiness and righteousness of a prescribed way to represent the very one that created us in his image and so let's dig in the two questions that I have right off the bat because we always ask is is this how do I represent his image how do I do it and we all do it in different ways because some of us are comfortable raising our hands some of us are comfortable putting our hands in our pockets and rocking because that's what I do that's what I'm comfortable with we all are comfortable in representing God in different ways but the real question that we should be asking is how does he want me To express his image. We don't like that one. Because it takes our power away. My decision making. Me getting to do what I want to do. And We're going to see a verse here in just a little bit. That talks about that selfish ambition of our lives. Of wanting to do it how I want to do it. And I'm telling you church. If we want to be the church on fire for God. We have to stop representing Christ how we want to and dig in to find how he wants us to and then do it. I recognize that's not fun to hear because it may insinuate that some of us are kind of doing it wrong. Can I just say this? It's not about right or wrong this morning, it's about better best. It's about being better or what is best now there are some things that we can do to represent christ and do it really well I'm not saying those are bad but if i'm doing it out of selfish gain or selfish ambition or because i'm not comfortable how god wants me to do so i'll modify it and do it how i want to do it then we're talking about that's not best and i might get real close to saying it's just wrong but not yet so here's the first one and I, I know, I've read all the books of how leadership strategies of dealing with people that you should deal with a pod, lead off with a positive first, and then come in with a negative. Help them out, soften them up, and then I don't do things like that. I hit you with the hard stuff first, and then come back and try to build you back up. That's the way it's always worked for me, and if you don't like that, sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. So here's the first thing. This is the hard one for me. This is the hard thing that I want us to hit first and then we'll come back and build it back up. But representation is not how we want or choose to express his image. It's not. If we can accept that in our minds, it's gonna help us in the long run. I don't get to choose how I express him if he's already told me how it's to be done. Now, when I talk about expressing him, most of us are thinking the external. We're going to see in just a minute, God cares not about the external. Because he cares more about the internal. What is going on in here? Because he knows, because he created it, he designed it, that if I can get the internal in the right space, in the right frame of mind, in tune with his spirit, then the external can only follow. And so, so many of us are more concerned with making sure that we dress a certain way, act a certain way, talk a certain way, and do certain things to make sure that everybody sees how spiritual I am and how holy I am because of all the things that I do. But your heart is rotten. We cannot move forward as individual believers and as a church until our hearts are right not based on how i define it but on how he defines it and if i want to do everything and accomplish all that god has set out for me to accomplish as a pastor as a as a husband as a father and as a man i can do a decent job on my own But I can do an amazing job when I submit to a holy God and get in tune with the Spirit of God and allow Him to guide me and do what only God can do. There are so many things with this. I I don't get to choose how. I don't get to choose that if I just go over here and do this, I'm going to claim it as ministry. But the reality is, what's happening is, it's really where I want to be. Well, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go dress this way because it, it keeps me in tune with everybody else and I can use it as a ministry model. No, the reality is, partially of what's going on is that's just how you want to dress. Well, I want to I do things to my body to, to be a representation of Christ. Really? Let me ask you a question. Show me in here, anywhere where it says, dress in a provocative way, act in a certain way go to certain places do things to your body because that represents christ the best show me if you can show me i will change my tune when we choose to do things how we want to do things that is apart from the spirit of god leading us because it doesn't match it's already been designed it's already in here the way that we express is not the external It's the internal flowing out from us, from the Spirit of God. In fact, we see this in the Old Testament with King Saul. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, we find King Saul, who was chosen as the first king, head and shoulders above everybody else. God allowed him to be the king. And King Saul was so spiritual and was so ready, he would not wait for the priest. He took it upon himself, which was not his right or his responsibility, and he offered a sacrifice. Why? Because he thought he was doing the right thing and honoring God. He was expressing his devotion to God, but really he was impatient and impulsive and he was disobeying. And then in 1 Samuel 15, he decides to spare the king that God directly told him to kill. And so many of us Whether we're in this room or sitting at home or whenever you're going to listen to this, so many of us get directives from God, not the audible voice, but things that have already been told us and we directly disobey because we want to express our Christianity how we choose to. doesn't really work out well for King Saul. In fact, Samuel comes right back and he says, I want you to notice this. He says, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of the rams. Here's what he's saying. Saul, do you, are you telling me that God is more concerned with the outward actions than your inward heart? Saul, you're, you're convincing me. You're trying to help me. See that God is more concerned with the way that you offer sacrifices in the way that you choose to express your Christian life rather than simply obeying the internal workings of God in your heart. Are you following me this morning? The big problem with Christianity of this day is we have gotten in the mode that it's more about the doing than the being. It's more about being seen than being in Christ. Watch this one. Psalm 51, 16 and uh, 17. This is David in his um, confession before the Lord in his great prayer of owning his own stuff at the beginning of this chapter. But then he comes back and he says, For you do not desire God's sacrifice that's not your heart you didn't set it up you set it up to kind of get us back in motion but what you want more than anything is my heart he says or else i would give it if that's what it really took then i would just offer sacrifice and be on my way but he's like that's not what you want he's like you do not delight in bird offering the sacrifices of god are a broken spirit internal or external it's internal which creates an external response a broken, a broken and contrite heart. These, oh God, you will not despise. God is not concerned with our outer until our innards are where they're supposed to be. That's southern for inside stuff, just so you know. It's so important, folks. I can't stress this enough. And listen, all of this is coming from when he says, whose image? You hypocrites, you're trying to do it how you want to do it. But you are made in the image of God, therefore represent him. And if you are to represent him, your internal must change, not the external. The external will come. Here's the second thing. Now we'll get to the positive stuff and the encouraging, hopefully. The representation has already been designed. I love when things have already been done for me and I just got to follow the path. That's easier for me, right? I love when I have to put something together and I get the directions. I don't read them. I just look at the pictures because that's the easiest way it is for me. But it's already designed. It's already there. And then if I get a little confused, then I go back and I read it. It's already designed. It's already been pictured in many of our lives. We can watch each other. And when we get a little confused, then we dig in a little bit more. And we go to the one who knows us best and has already designed this thing for us. This wheel cannot be reinvented. You hear people all the time say, hey, don't reinvent the wheel. I'm telling you, don't reinvent the wheel of how we are to express the image of God in our lives. You don't have to make any time to think about it. It's already been designed. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that good stuff? That is easy for us. That's what we're all looking for. That's why you're here. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. I'll tell you, read. It's already in there. Galatians 5, 19b through 21a says this. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are? Adultery, fornication, and cleanness, lewdness, adultery, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, uh, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. That's a really big, nasty list of just junk. Agreed? Nasty stuff. And all of those things, for the most part, are uh, outward stuff. Some of them are inward. But notice the one that I have underlined. Selfish ambition. That just seems like... Man, you're putting that on the level of murder? You're putting that on the level of adultery? Idolatry? Yeah, yes. is. Why? Because all those other things deal with selfish ambition. It's all about what I want. And when I make decisions of how I'm going to express God without consulting what he might want me to do or live how he wants me to live, now it's become about me and it's a selfish ambition. And listen, there's a whole gamut of things that we could talk about all day long. But I'm not going to insult your intelligence. You're smart enough to say, okay, God, what is it in my life, in the way that I'm expressing my Christian walk, that is about me and is about you? And you know what the great part about that type of prayer with him? He'll tell you. Now, again, it might not be written in the sky with a plane with a cloud stuff behind it might not be an audible voice might just be a thought might be something that comes up a little bit later that piques your interest and you're like wow i wouldn't have thought of that on my own and he deals with us kindly and gently why because he's a mean old god he just don't want me to have no fun no he is a god that has created you And loves you. And has great intentions for you. And has a plan that if we would just follow it. Brings freedom and grace and mercy and enjoyment in this life. And it also brings hardship. But in those hardships, if I'm in tune with him, they're not so hard. Externally, they're difficult. Internally, we're good. And so we see that most of the time when we are concerned about stuff, it's about me. But watch what he says here in the rest of this passage. We talk about this passage all the time. I feel like I use it about every five sermons. But the reality is until we get it, we need to keep talking about it. Because he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there's no law. Now, they may be coming up soon, but right now there's not. Do you know why? Because all of those things are internal. And all of these things combat all the other things in the other list. You see, when I think about how am I to express the image of God, well, of course, I've got to be a pastor. I've got to preach. I've got to teach, I've got to lead. That's my selfish ambition kicking in there. Because I gotta give back. I gotta do something. And I'm reminded of what David and Samuel said. He's not worried about your sacrifice, Alan. What he's worried about is what's going on in your heart. And that's why when I look at this list, this is the prescription of how we are to express the image of God. Because God is love, God is joy, God is peace he's long-suffering, he's kindness, he's so kind, and he's so good, and he's absolutely faithful, and he's gentle, and he has self-control. Could you imagine if God did not have self-control? Forget about it, we don't even exist. And if I am to express the image of God, it is not about my hairstyle, my clothes style, the tattoos that I have, the places that I go, the things that I eat. It's not about that. That is not how I am to express the image of God. How I am to express the image of God is allowing the Holy Spirit to live inside of me and produce his love. And to produce his joy and his peace and his patience and his kindness and his goodness and his faithfulness and his gentleness and his self-control. That's the prescription. Stop trying to do it in all of these other manners. Until we get this, we are failing. This is the prescription. This is how we are to do it. No other way matters until this kicks in. 1 Peter chapter 2 is a great little verse here, a couple of verses. He says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts. Now, many of us would look at that when it's talking about all sins, and yes, it is. But I want to help us understand and see that it could be talking about all that selfish ambition within us that we think is expressing Christ in the way that he wants us to do it. But all of those things war against the soul. Because it's selfish, it's about me. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. In other words, when you go outside of here and you live in such a way that honors Christ and expresses who he is, they experience the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and so on. And it gives them something to talk about. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been at work and a situation arises and you just show grace and peace and self-control and love in that moment, even though fleshly you wanna rip their face off, But in the moment, you somehow, supernaturally, allow the Spirit of God that lives within you to come out and express himself the way that he needs to express. Have you ever had anybody come back to you and say, it's not what I expected? What's different about you? Why did that take place? I expected you to lose your mind, and you were so calm. To which most of us would say, no, internally, I wanted to rip your face off. However, there was something else bigger at play. Selfishly, that's what I wanted to do. But there's someone else that I am trying to express and to represent. And so I wanted to show his love and his joy and his peace to you. Why can't we do that? Well, let me help you understand because we're all selfish individuals. We want to do it my way. I don't want to change anything. God must adjust his standards and his expectations for me to where I want to do it how I want to do it. And he's just going to have to be okay with it. Good luck with that. This is the longest running book. Nothing rivals it. And it has not changed one time since its original inception. Do you know why? Because it is the living, breathing word of God. And he doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when they speak against you as evildoers they may by your good works, which they observe, watch this, glorify God. The purpose of us exemplifying and representing Christ is not for people to say, oh, you are so super religious and so spiritual and holy. It's to glorify him. That's where that selfish ambition comes back. I got to sing a certain way or do a certain thing or be a certain way to where people see how spiritual I am. Forget that. Our whole goal should be absolutely to let people see the love of God in our lives. And when people say, man, you're spiritual, say, no, I'm not. I'm just following God and letting him flow through me. Third and last point is this. This can't be on your own. You, you can't do this. Maybe for a day or maybe a week. And if you're really good, maybe a month. But you're going to get exhausted. Because you are trying to do something you physically are not geared to do. Emotionally not geared to do. The only way it can happen is through him. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. John chapter 15 is such a great passage, talking about the the branch being engrafted into the vine and that branch bringing forth the fruit. And the vine is the one doing the work. We've been reading through Andrew Murray of Absolute Surrender, and he talks about a vine that grew hundreds of yards over to some fertile ground, and that is what supplied the branch to be able to make the grapes. Branch didn't do anything, the vine does. You aren't responsible for certain things. The vine is. You can't produce the love of God, but the vine can. You can't always be joyful in hard situations, but the vine can, and the vine can help you. You can't always be peaceful. can't always be patient. You can't always be kind. But the vine can help you be that. Galatians 5 When we get that really nasty list, including the selfish ambition, and then we get the good list of what the fruit of the Spirit does, Paul continues in the next two verses, and look what he says, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Remember that whole selfish ambition thing of wanting to do things my way and how I want to do it, and God's just got to kind of redirect his own thinking to fit what I want to do? You haven't crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You're still trying to do it how you want to do it. How you feel expressing God. Come on, man. That to me is, look at me. Jesus said, I mean, Paul said, here's the true expression of God. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Not dress, not anything else. We do the best that we can in our humble little human selves. But the true outpouring of expressing who he is comes from here, not out here. He says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If you claimed to represent Christ, then you need to walk in him. Romans seven eighteen, Great chapter. You should go back and read it. It's a really good one because Paul distinctly talks about everything that we all struggle with. Things that I know that I'm supposed to do, we all know that list. I don't. We're all in that boat, just so you know. And the things that I know that I'm not supposed to do, we all have that list. I do it. So that whole chapter is dealing with this. And look what he says in verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, me alone, Alan, nothing good dwells. Well, wait a second. I know a lot of good people. Are we talking physical or are we talking spiritual? Gotta stop thinking on the physical. They may be good, but spiritually, nothing good dwells. Paul even talks about all of my righteousness is what? Filthy rags. And you're looking at me and I'm smiling when I say that. And you may be thinking, how in the world can you say that there's nothing good that dwells within you, Alan, and that all your righteousness that you do is as filthy rags? I smile because it's true. And I know I'm not good enough for him. I know that there's nothing that I can do apart from him that will please him. Which only drives me further to his feet at the cross. For to will is present with me. I want to on my own. But how to perform what is good, I can't do it. I do not find. Because apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. But what things were gained to me, Paul says, these I have counted lost for Christ. We don't like that. We are all about the trophies and the awards and the recognition and the admiration. Let's be real and honest. Don't look at me and say, no, I really don't like that. Maybe not to the extent that others do, but we all want to be affirmed some way. And Paul said, scrap all that. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost. Why? For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. He lost it all. And count them as rubbish. All of his accomplishments, all of the climbing the corporate ladder that he climbed, all of that is junk. That he may gain Christ and be found in him. That's good. All of this stuff that we're trying to accomplish out here doesn't matter. If I don't find him, if I don't go after him, he is what brings credibility to my life he is the one that brings affirmation to who i am because i find myself in him and he has created me it goes on not having my own righteousness because we can't which is from the law but that which is through faith in christ the righteousness which is from who god in faith you're not good enough just so you know and that's from a heart of love you're just not and you're good people but you're not good enough apart from Christ. But thankfully, when we submit our lives to a holy God, we own our sin and we accept the forgiveness that is offered and we ask him to be Lord of our life by submitting all that we have to Jesus, that is when the righteousness is given to us that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead man we got a lot of work to do don't we We got a lot of work to do Andrew Murray again this is a book we've been reading and this whole last chapter that we just finished is just I started making these slides, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, i gotta, I got to finish this up quick. So I, I took all the quotes that I really wanted to expound on, and I put them in one kind of sentence. So here's how it works out. The very work that he has to do in me, that God has to do in me, and I for him, I take up in such a way that it separates me from Christ. So here's what he's saying. If I let it, I could let my work as a pastor become my God and my righteousness and it will separate me from the work that Christ wants to do in and through me. Because now it's more important that I'm up here. It's more important that I do what I do. It's more important for me to do than to be. That's what he's talking about. If I am something, then God is not everything. Let that sink in. But God, I, I, this is what I love. That I'm not everything. But God, this is how I want to do it. That I'm not everything. But God, I'm not everything. But I'm not everything. That one was a very sobering statement to me. Because i got some good qualities. I'm good at a few things. Then he's not everything. Don't confound work with fruit. Love that. Just because I'm up here preaching, don't look at that as fruit. The fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm going to keep saying that until you memorize it. Absolute dependence upon God is the secret of all power in work absolute dependence we don't even know what that means we think we do and we could define it but we really don't know what that looks like let us seek to understand that the life of the branch us is a life of much fruit because it is a life rooted in christ the living heavenly vine our fruit is not because we're awesome we want to think that well, I, I, you just don't know how much I study and how, how effective I am. Mm-hmm. Where's that come from? Him. It's from Him. It's not from you. Now you've turned it into something about you when really it should be about Him getting the glory. And then He ends it with, this I choose. Many of us are trying to be the vine when we need to be the branch. We need to just be grafted in and be okay with that and sit back and soak up all the goodness of the spirit that wants to give us and allow him to flow through us and create the fruit that he has designed us to bear. We are representatives, so represent him his way. amen amen Amen. here's some questions for you as the praise team comes number one are you representing christ through your work or his fruit meaning are you more concerned about what you're doing or are you paying attention to who you are in him and focusing on your being you may hear us talk about that a lot around here of doing versus being that's what it's really about the doing is good but it should be an outworking and outpouring from our being. Not the other way around. Here's question number two. Are you representing Christ how you want to? Or in the manner that he has designed? Folks, it, it's already in here how he wants us to live. Another way that we express who we are is how we show love one to another. And the church can be ruthless with its followers. How in the world can Non-believers want to be around us if we are just mean and nasty to one another. If there's no joy when they walk in and see us. It blows my mind how people can be so spiritual about certain things, but walk around with the saddest, most pitiful looking face. But Alan, it's just me. Come on. he's already designed it for us. Stop trying to represent him how you're doing it. And lastly, are you representing him at all? Do people even know that you're a follower of Christ? And maybe you've never allowed him to be Lord of your life. Maybe you don't even know what that really looks like. And this morning you're like, "Hmm, that seems pretty interesting. I kind of like being engrafted into something else that's going to help me be the things that I really want to be, but I'm realizing I can't do it on my own. Let me tell you how easy it is. It begins with a yes to Christ. It begins with a recognizing of you can't do it on your own, that you need the Creator, God, to be Lord of your life. To trust that his payment for your sin that you can't do anything about was enough by sending his son to die on the cross, to be buried, and then to rise again in power and in victory to give us the hope and the excitement and the joy of the coming day of the resurrection of the dead. That may be new to you. It simply begins with saying, God, I hear you. I'm in. Forgive me of the sins that I've committed that didn't know I was even doing. But I need you. Be Lord of my life. Let me pray for you.